And so let us pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. We thank you for the world you have created and for Jesus who has shown us that we can trust him in everything. It doesn't matter what we are facing or what is happening. Lord, we give you our thanks. Forgive us when we fail to trust and when we would rather trust ourselves. Father, we say that we believe in you and yet our thoughts, our words and actions say something else. Forgive us and help us to live lives that are pleasing to you and give you praise. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 22, just a few verses, 31 to 35. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Thanks be to God for the reading today. Lord, by the indwelling power of your spirit, help me to give your message today as we delve deeper into the character of your disciples. Bless all of those who will be leading worship this week. Amen. If you were with us a couple of Sundays ago when we celebrated Pentecost, or if you've had the chance to uh, listen on the podcast, to catch up and listen to the podcast on the website, you will remember that I preached about the calling of the Twelve Disciples. And I said that I would like to spend some time to uh, reflect on each of their individual characteristics. So let me recap. I um, opened with the reading from Luke chapter 6 verses 12 to 16. I'll just read it to you again and it said this. One of those days Jesus went out onto a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Reading about the disciples, we don't often see all 12 of them together at the same place at the same time. And I've noticed that there seems to be three groups uh, of them. In the first group we get uh, Peter, Andrew, James and John. And the second group seems to be Philip, 
Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas. And the third group seems to be James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas the son of James, who is also called Thaddeus, but sometimes he's also called Lebius, and Judas Iscariot. And when he hung himself, Matthias took up the twelfth place. What I've also noticed is that the first name in the group, no matter whether you read it from Luke or Matthew or Mark or Acts, is always Peter. And like I said a moment ago, those uh, that first group of four, Peter, Andrew, James and John, <clears throat> they were all fishermen. And they were two sets of brothers. They all had different personalities. And Peter seems to be the self-appointed um, spokesman. To be honest, I wonder if he often doesn't put his brain into gear before he opens his mouth. But these four also seem to be the ones that have spent the longest length of time with Jesus and they're often seen with him at key key times, at key key events like um, the uh, when the other apostles weren't present. I mean we can say that those were the only those four were the only ones who were with him uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw God in all his glory and in the garden at Gethsemane it was the same disciples who were with him now I get very confused about who's who Simon is a very common name and there are at least seven Simons mentioned in the Gospels. And among the disciples, there are two of them. Simon Peter and Simon the Zealot. But as I looked a little bit deeper, I also found that one of Jesus's brother is a Simon and Judas Iscariot's father was a Simon. Not only that, Jesus went to have dinner with Simon the leper and Simon of Cyrene was the Simon who carried uh, Jesus's cross part of the way to Calvary. So if you're confused about who these Simons are, join me. But let's hope that it will become clearer uh, during our studies this week. But the other thing I noticed is that Jesus didn't only give Simon Peter a new name, he gave him the name, he gave him the name Peter, which was like a nickname. It meant rock. And this is where I get even more confused. That sometimes we're talking about Simon. Sometimes we're talking about Simon Peter. 
and at other times we're talking about Peter and they're all the same bloke they're all the same person in that short reading we had this morning in verses 31 and 32 he's called Simon and then in verse 34 Peter see what I mean about it being confusing like I said Peter was a, a nickname it meant rock and I wonder why why did Jesus give him that nickname well I said earlier he was a loud mouth he didn't think before he opened his mouth and he often made promises that he couldn't keep <clears throat> he seemed to lunge head first into something and then need bailing out now one commentary uh, by James MacArthur said that Jesus changed Simon's name to the rock uh, because he wanted the nickname to be a perpetual reminder to him about who he should be and that seems to make sense because if Jesus called him Simon maybe he was acting like his old self and when he called him Peter he was talking to the new man the way he should be when they were in the garden at Gethsemane and he fell asleep who does Jesus call him Mark chapter 14 verses 37 and 38 says this then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping wait for it he said to Peter see again two different names in the same breath are you asleep could you not keep watch for one hour watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing but the body is weak I wonder when Jesus called him Simon he must have thought oh no I've messed up actually that reminds me of when I worked in housing and I had to have a chat with one of the tenants uh, I called him uh, Mr Brown and I said Mr Brown could you please come into my office and immediately he said I must be in your bad books because no one calls me Mr Brown unless I've done something wrong well I suppose if you spend all your housing benefit on a holiday uh, you've done something wrong nowadays it gets paid directly into uh, bank accounts so the housing association will get their money uh, straight away but that wasn't always the case anyway <clears throat> when the gospel writers refer to, to Peter as Simon it is usually something like Simon's house Simon's mother-in-law Simon's boat I can see I can't see where it's ever referred to as Peter's mother-in-law or 
Peter's boat or Peter's house. But maybe I just need to delve a bit deeper. But just one more thought. Who was it who stood up and preached at Pentecost? Was it Simon? Simon Peter? Or Peter? I wonder, have you ever thought about what makes a great leader? What qualities do they have? Psalm 139 verse 13 says this, that we were knit together in our mother's womb. So are leaders naturally inquisitive? Do they ask lots of questions? Do they thirst for more knowledge and won't settle until they get the answers they want? Peter seems to ask more questions than any of the others. Matthew 15, 15, Lord, how many times do we need to forgive? And in the parable of the rich young man in Matthew 19, verse 27, it was Peter who asked Jesus, we've left everything to follow you, what will we get as our reward? And in Mark 11:21, he asked Jesus about the withered fig tree and he said, Rabbi, look, look, that fig tree you cursed is withered. Peter was always looking for answers to his questions. He was always wanting to know more and to understand better. Some time ago I preached about the time Jesus and the disciple, uh, he asked the disciples, who do people say I am? Um, and there were several different options that were put around at that time. And they said, the disciples said, well, some say you're John the Baptist and others say you are Elijah or Jeremiah and some other, or some other prophet. And then Jesus asked the disciples, he said, well, actually, I'm asking you, who do you say I am? And it was Peter who again said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. His answer was bold. His answer was decisive. That's who he knew Jesus was. He was showing himself to be a natural leader. But he didn't always get it right. He was impulsive at times. I mean, how daft can you actually get to get a sword and slice off the ear of a Roman soldier when perhaps there are a hundred or more Roman soldiers in, uh, there at the same time? People can't follow a true leader if the true leader is always in the background. The leader needs to be fully involved. It's no good having a leader sitting in the background and just barking orders. They need to be rolling their sleeves up and mucking in. Let's revisit the time in Matthew 14 when Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter, he climbed out of the boat, didn't he? and he started to follow him. What on earth was he thinking? 
I need a piece of this action. Maybe that's what he was thinking. But in any case, whilst all the others were in the boat clinging on to for dear life, it was Peter who got out and got involved. And it was only when he started walking on the water and thought about the danger that he was in that he actually started to sink. Do you know, it doesn't matter how many times I've heard that bit of scripture about walking on the water. It's one of those things where people say, oh, he didn't have any faith. Peter lacked faith. Look at it from this perspective. Who was it who got out of the boat in the first place? Do you need faith to do that? The others didn't. They were clinging on for dear life in the boat. He was the one that got out. Although Peter denied Christ, remember that Peter and his friend John were the only ones who followed Jesus to the high priest's house to see what would become of Jesus. And Peter was the only one who um, was close enough to Jesus to look him in the face, in the eye, when the rooster, rooster crowed. Long after the other disciples had abandoned him, Peter was virtually alone. He was in a position where such temptation could trap him. But there was no way he could abandon Christ completely. I wonder, isn't that the sign of a leader? A person who stays close to the heart of the action. Well, that's the stuff Peter's made of. He learned a lot through his personal experiences. Sometimes they were painful and humiliating. And sometimes they were encouraging and uplifting. His character was moulded and shaped by what he saw in Christ. Submission, restraint, humility, love, compassion and courage. In 1 Peter 2 verses 16 to 18 he wrote this, Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the King. We can see how Peter was changed by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. 
prior to that it would be fair to say that he had his moments. But after Pentecost we see a different Peter. He gradually changed from Simon into the rock. And because the Holy Spirit was working in his heart, he did become a great leader. Peter and the other disciples learnt that leadership is rooted in love and serving others. Look at 1 Peter 4 verse, verse 8 and it says this, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers um, over a multitude of sins. Multitude of sins. This is the love that washes dirty feet. And Peter learnt that love from Christ. In our reading this morning, it's the familiar story of the separating the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff is blown away and the wheat now purified is in a, a pile. And we might have thought that Jesus wouldn't allow Satan to sift Peter. Those were the words I said, weren't they? But this was the test to see whether Peter's faith was genuine. Yes, he was tossed, he was shaken, until the only thing that was left was his faith. And Jesus did reassure Peter that his faith would survive the ordeal. Look at verse 32. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And in 1 Peter 5 verses 8 to 10 it says this, Be self-controlled, be alert. Your enemy, like the, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings and the God of grace who calls you to eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a while will himself restore you and make you strong and steadfast. Yes, Peter understood human weakness. Look at him. The guy who opened his mouth before engaging his brain. The guy who had his own weaknesses thrown back in his face. But look at him now. Courageous. Perfect. Strengthened by the Lord. When he preached at Pentecost, we are told that 3,000 people were saved. He and John healed the lame man, he raised Dorcas from the dead and introduced the gospel to the Gentiles. In his two epistles of Peter 1 and Peter 2, he wrote about those very same lessons that he had learned from the Lord about true character. So thank you for joining me this morning as we've had a glimpse at Simon, also known as Peter. Now you're probably wondering, what happened to him? How did his life end?
Well, he died a martyr. He was crucified, as was his wife. He was crucified up, upside down on the cross because he didn't think that he was worthy to be crucified the way that Jesus was. And his life can be summed up in the final words in 2 Peter 3.18 Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.